Coming up on this special edition of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we review the 2018 AFL Women's Draft with Julia Montesano from afldraftcentral.com.au. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. A friendly note that this podcast airs as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. Done and dusted, the 2018 AFL Women's Draft. Over 60 women have now had their dreams fulfilled where they'll be playing with an AFLW team for the 2019 season. It's time to look back at who was taken number one and who was the lucky last name called out. And joining us on the line is one of the most knowledgeable women when it comes to the AFLW. It's Julia Montesano from afldraftcentral.com.au. Julia, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. First of all, how did you survive your first AFLW draft day at Marvel Stadium? Yeah, it certainly was um, a great event put on by the AFL, and obviously um, a lot of the girls were there and all all up and about. You know, a lot of them were pretty nervous from the night before. You can see it in their eyes. A lot of them looked like they were a bit sleep deprived. But um, look, it was a great day put on, and um, I really enjoyed my first AFLW draft. I mean, it's so good to see. The girls so happy about, you know, whatever result they, whatever pick they came in, they were just um, ecstatic about getting picked. And, um, yeah, I definitely really enjoyed it and I definitely want to do it again next year. I think one of the players said it best. Not only were they nervous for the draft, it was a fine balancing period for some of these stu- for some of these players because they're students as well. And a number of them were actually doing year 12 exams around this time of year. Yeah, exactly right. My sister's in year 12, so she's in the middle of exams as well. And I know exactly um, the feeling that these girls are going through. I know um, for a fact that Elise Parker actually had to go to an exam today in the afternoon. So she got drafted in the morning, had to head off straight to her exam, her agricultural exam in the afternoon. So it's definitely a balancing act for a lot of these girls. They've got to think about studies as well as thinking about the AFLW. So it's a trying time for them, but I'm sure a lot of them will succeed in whatever they want to do. I mean, we've seen Izzy Huntington last year. You know, get a really high ATAR and um, get to do what she wants to do. So the sky's the limit definitely for these girls and they're all trying really hard and they've got great work ethics to do so. So all the talk, of course, was about pick number one. It was kind of, well, it was predicted certainly by yourselves through AFL Draft Central in our Road to the AFLW Draft specials uh, and also uh, throughout the mainstream media. They picked up on the theme as well. Nina Morrison, rubber stamp number one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a surprise for anyone in the room. I mean, I think Izzy Huntington herself came on the stage and said, you know, Nina's probably the one that's going to go number one. So um, it was definitely well publicised that she was going to take that place. And um, she was well-deserving of it as well. I mean, she saw she broke two combine records um, for her, for the endurance events in the AFLW draft combine. She won just about every award this year, along with Maddie Prespark in the TAC Cup, Best and Ferris, and um, the overall tournament MVP for the AFL Women's Championships. And, She's just one of those really exciting players that when she picks the ball up, you don't know, you generally don't know what she's going to do. You know she's going to do something amazing, but you just don't know what uh, she's going to do with it. She's got sensational chase down speed. Um, she plays fantastic on the outside and she can run all day. So um, it's something that clubs definitely want. And uh, th- I know she had a good relationship, obviously, with Paul Hood playing in um, the Geelong VFLW side this year. So they know what she can do. They've seen her play at her best and they know she's a fantastic person as well. She's one of the most humble players that I've seen as well. She's just excited to be where she is, so she definitely deserves it. And the ultimate sign of respect, I think it was during the third quarter when Geelong were trying to turn things around in that grand final, that Meg Hutchins for a period went to Nina Morrison. Yeah, it certainly shows um, how good um, a player Nina is and how hard she is to stop. I mean, if it takes 
someone of Meg's experience to play on Nina. You can tell that Nina's um one of those good players. And this is only Nina's second year of football, so she's doing remarkable for um, you know, just her second year in the sport. She's obviously got balancing a lot of other sports as well with year twelve. You know, she's I think she still plays soccer and tennis as well. I think she played it throughout childhood as well. So to come into this sport and to adapt to it like she did, um, like she has, has been absolutely sensational. I think Meg had a lot of trouble actually playing with her because of that speed that Morrison possessed. And like I said, they're just the unpredictability that she that she has with the ball in hand. So she's going to be a challenging matchup for a lot of players in, that, in the upcoming AFLW season. I can't wait to see how they approach her. Now, the move that yourself and Peter Williams from afldraftcentral.com.au predicted that many probably didn't see in the mainstream media. They thought Sophie van der Heuvel was probably a chance to go number three at Carlton. They were talking about her or Presparkas. You suggested the idea that she might go at number two at Geelong, so they take her before the Metro clubs can get her, and that's exactly what happened. The GVW Rebels player off to the Cats. Yeah, so Peter did suggest that um, that, that was going to happen, and it certainly did. I mean, um, they wanted to just pick, obviously, some homegrown talent, obviously, for the first pick, but they wanted to secure a really good, um, you know, prospect that's not from Geelong to nom- to get in their team. And Sophie Vanderhue was a great, a great pickup for them. I mean, she's got, she's still um, pursuing a cricket career as well. She did say she wants to pursue a big bash contract. So she's got certainly a lot on her plate. And she's playing with Jess Duffin at Williamstown, obviously gave her a lot of inspiration to follow down that path. And she's actually a really fantastic footballer. I mean, she's predominantly plays in the forward line, but we saw her roll into the midfield in the AFL Women's Championships and make an impact there. So, um, she can definitely um, test her versatility in many other positions. And I think she's a great asset for Geelong and um, a really good pick up for them because, I mean, it's obviously they want, it's, you know, something that they wanted to do was pick up her cell at number two. But getting a player like Vandy Hubel as well is something that they'd be really proud of. And um, getting those two together is going to be a really good team. The player that had been on the radar for quite a number of years finally was eligible for the draft this year. Madison Presparkas goes to Carlton at pick number three. Yeah, I mean, as a Carlton supporter myself, I'm very happy with that pick. But um, look, Maddie could have—I I keep saying this—Maddie could have gone number one at 16 years of age. I mean, she was just a jet. She's just a jet on the field. I mean, she can play anywhere. She's a known leader. Um, the way she attacks contests with ferocity is absolutely insane. I mean, matching her against bigger bodies at Melbourne Uni as well. She was absolutely, she absolutely excelled in that area. I mean, I think in her first game, 20 plus touches. You know, she just blew them all away, and. You just, that just shows how much of an impact she can have against those bigger bodies. You know, there's always this, this question of whether these girls can go up against those um, more experienced players in the AFLW. And Maddie's definitely one that can do so. I mean, she's played football all her life. She's played against the boys, you know, back in Romsey when she was little. And now she's gone up through the girls' pathways and dominated there. So, like Nina, she's won pretty much every award as well. You know, the Tacker, Best and Ferris, and the MVP for the AFL Women's Champs, same thing. Um, and I think those two have been pushing each other a lot. And um, if Press Park is nominated for Geelong, I think she definitely would have been in contention for number one. But in her words, family comes first. And it takes some um, real courage to, you know, just step away from that um, attention of wanting to be wanting to go number one and take a step back and say, no, nah, I want to stay with my family. I want to go um, pursue my career, you know, elsewhere. And I want to do it with Metropolitan Victoria. And I think Carlton are definitely really happy to have her and she'll be a great asset for them. Yeah, certainly. That's a debate that's going to rage on for years to come if these two players run at a similar trajectory, that of who is, quote-unquote, the real number one because Madison didn't nominate for the whole Victorian draft pool, just Metro only. If she was available for the whole Victorian draft pool, then would have Geelong taken Morrison or Press Barkers first? Yeah, I guess so. that's probably one of the negatives of the drafts. I guess for a media perspective, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell 
on the outside who is the real number one because players nominate. But I think from the actual player perspective, I think it's a great thing for them to be able to do. I mean, it gives them a bit of security heading into, 20, heading into 2019. I mean, a lot of these girls are going to uni or TAFE or pursuing a full-time job. So they want to make sure that they know where they're going before they can actually decide on things because right now, um, you know, girls, are, you have to put in your uni preferences now. So they want to really know where they want to go. So having the power to choose that um, is obviously a real advantage for those girls. And, um, you know, I think it's a good thing for the AFLW drafts, although it doesn't look um, great on the surface with a lot of players slipping down because of, you know, clubs choose clubs manipulating the picks a bit. Um, it certainly helps out the players. They get to go where they want to go. And, and in the end, it doesn't matter. Once you're at a club, it doesn't matter if you went number one or number number 50. You know, you're still a great player. So the first of the interstaters to actually have a pick was the Fremantle Football Club. But uh, pick number four, they took Jasmine Stewart from Claremont WA, an in-and-under left footer. Yeah, I mean, that was a surprise um, personally for myself. I mean, I haven't seen much of Jasmine Stewart play. So probably I can't say too much about it. Um, I was probably expecting more Sabrina Duffy to go um, to Freya first up. But from what I hear, Jasmine Stewart's a great player. She's got lots of she's got lots of experience. And um, from talking to her as well, she's really wrapped to be playing at the Dockers. She's been a lifetime supporter of the club. And um, getting, a, getting a clever left footer in the side as well just gives them a bit of um, versatility as well and a bit of other options. I mean, Freya definitely needs a bit of spark in their side. And I think Stewart's part of the, one of the players that could provide that. I mean, she did test well in the combine as well. So She's got the athleticism and she's got the football skills. So I certainly can't wait to see how she goes out there in the Dockers colours. The Collingwood Football Club, this was always going to be a crucial draft for them because they lost a number of players to other clubs, particularly North Melbourne through that expansion period. Plus, of course, the well-publicised injury to Chloe Malloy that will wipe her out for the 2019 season. They opened up their uh, drafting by going for the Dandenong Stingrays player, Jordan Allen, at pick number five. Yeah, I think that that was a really fantastic decision. I think probably I thought me, my Peter, Peter and myself probably thought that Tyler Hanks could have gone number five as well, but um, Alan and her had the same you know attributes as a player. And Alan's honest, Alice, Alan's could honestly be the perfect replacement for Chloe Malloy. I mean, her goal kicking is not what she's known for, but Alan definitely is the one that can offer a halfback role, and she does it really well. Great marking. I mean, she's got one of the best sets of hands in the Tack Up Girls competition, and. Um, She's she's got a leadership role as left, right, and centre. I mean, she's the Dandenong Stingrays captain, and she had a stint of Vic Country being the leader as well. So she's one that can step up on the field when needed to, and um, she's holds herself really high. I mean, she does come from a ballet and motocross background, so a different background um, in terms of sports for Alan. But she's she's found football, she's settled on it, and she's absolutely excelled in the sport. And I think she's going to be absolutely crucial for Collingwood because they just need to inject that bit of leadership now without Chloe and um, just help Steph Kiochi out a bit. And Benich is obviously a young leader too. So if you get if you inject a player like Alan in um, the Collingwood side, it's definitely not a bad thing. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see what she does there. And because of that falling down the order to number six is Tyler Hanks. Melbourne must be laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, I know. My God, Tyler Hanks probably and Maddie were probably the number one and two before Nina um, rose in, came into the picture and rose up to success. Um Hanks is obviously a sim- really similar player to Press Barkers, actually. They're, really, they're both really small small players, small inside midfielders that can also, you know, offer some outside run if they need to. But um, they're one of those – there's two strong midfielders. But, you know, Hanks probably is another replacement, like I said, a replacement player um, for Daisy Pierce in a way. I think, you know, obviously uh, Melbourne's missing out, missing her speed and her leadership in the, in the midfield. And Hanks is probably uh, a player that can provide that. I mean, she was the Gippsland co-captain this year and – 
she excelled in that role. I think she was named in the best in every game she played in the TAC Cup girls competition. And um, she's one that could definitely stand up when she needs to. And um, she was a big reason why Gippsland was able to have a much more successful year than they did last year. Last year, they didn't, I don't think they recorded a win last year. So this year, they had a much more successful year. And I think it was off the back of Hanks's leadership and the way she just um, marveled really on the field, you know, with her football skills. She was able to kick it long, use quick hands, and she was able to get up forward to kick some goals as well. So that's a huge plus for Melbourne to get her at pick six, considering she probably, if you go by the normal rankings without a compromised draft, you know, she's probably in the top three players of, um, I suppose, the Victorian couple of players at least. And you talk about that compromised draft. Olivia Purcell surely would have been up the order, but she got jumped ahead of by Becky Webster, who looks like she must have um, declared for Geelong in that draft, or if she went Vic Metro, uh, pardon me, overall Vic, they've had to make a move and grab her early. Uh, the All-Australian TAC Cup Team of the Year member uh, was taken by the Cats at pick seven. Yeah, Rebecca Webster, definitely. She shouldn't be discounted. I mean, she's still a great player. She definitely deserves to go up that high. I mean, she's been the star at the Murray Bush Rangers for pretty much her whole tenure there. I think she's been there for about four years as well. So I think um, Rebecca did nominate um, for Geelong. I think um, I don't think it was all Victoria. I think she did nominate for Geelong. But um, I think they still wanted to snap her up nice and early and get her in a Geelong jump but just to have that security of a player of her calibre there. I mean, she's, she's a player similar to Jordan Allen, I think, as well. She's the one that could play off the halfback and um, roll into the midfield as well. She's needed to play a role there just to get her team back on top. And um, I think she'll combine well with Vanderhubel as well. They're just a bit of a, a defend, a, a good spine for Geelong. I think that's one they wanted to get out of the the, the top 10. I mean, they got Morrison in the midfield, Vanderhubel up forward and Webster in the back line. I think that's probably what they were trying to build in the top 10, just get your good spine and then build on that from there. And that's what they did. And they did that really well. The Adelaide Crows had their first pick at number eight, and they picked up the Sandville W rising star in Nikki Gore. Yeah, that certainly wasn't a surprise either. I mean, Nikki Gore has probably been the standout South Australian player this year. I mean, she's one of those players that can really take it, take the game on in the midfield, and um, she was one of the star players for the Central Allies um, in the AFL Women's Championships this year. I mean, she's one of those players as well that can – you know, just use her football smarts to get out of trouble. She can weave through congestion as well. She's always fantastic agility too, which is what I liked about her as well. And um, she's just one of those really laid-back characters that just gets out there and plays the game. She doesn't think too much about what's going on around her. I think she just gets out there, wants to play, and she does it really well. I mean, I think the Crows will definitely love having her on the side. And, you know, to combine with the likes of Aaron Phillips and Erin Marinoff in the midfield um, will provide, provide some great support for them. We know um, Phillips has been injury-riddled lately, but... Um, I think Gore will be great, you know, just a bit of extra security in that midfield and hopefully get them back up um, to where they need to be, the Crows, in, in their, um, you know, get back to that inaugural premiership stage they were in. In fact, uh, this year in the Sample W competition, uh, she averaged 19.5 touches per outing. Yeah, I mean, she, that's, that just um, explains, you know, how good of a player she is. Like I said, she just has, a ability, she has an ability to find the football and use her football smarts to do that. I mean... She's one of those players that can just rack up the footy and, you know, do it with ease, really. It doesn't look like she's actually trying all that hard, in all honesty, and it's fantastic to see. I mean, she just um, – she can just take the take the game by the scruff of the neck and she can – she takes it on and she does really well um, in the midfield as well. And I think she's one of those players that can um, roll, up, roll up forward or even in defence. You know, she could play a role anywhere and really make an impact. So I'm really excited to see where they actually play Gore as well. I mean, the midfield is obviously her preferred role, but – I think she could have stints in other positions as well, which could be really exciting for her future at the Crows. 
At pick number nine, the first pick for the Brisbane Lions, Craig Starcevich again didn't go for the best under-18 talent. He went for the best story like he did last year with Jordan Zanchetta. This year he went for 23-year-old Paige Parker. Yeah, no, that was a really cool. That was a really cool story as well. I mean, I did um, have a chat to Paige Parker. She's a lovely, lovely girl. I mean, she definitely um, had the right to go at pick nine. I mean, we all probably expect that in terms of the under eighteen, it was going to be Lauren Bella. I mean, she was probably the most touted um, or talked about one um, in the Queensland um, names for a while. But um, Paige Parker, I haven't seen much of her myself. I know she's. I think she's a part of the Gold Coast Suns Academy. So um, the Suns will be spewing a bit about that. Would have hoped to. Um, you know, hope that she would have gone into next year's draft and um, had, a, had a chance to snap her up then. But um, I think Paige obviously has a really close relationship with Craig and um, I think that's – I think it's great that he's given her the chance to believe in herself, you know, getting picked that high um, shows a player – shows that she's a really great player and um, she's definitely one that can bring a lot to the Brisbane side and um, I think she'll be great for them up there and, you know, I think it's exciting to, to see that, that, you know, a girl of an older age actually get picked up in the top 12. I mean, it does show that if you don't get picked up this year, there is always next year, the year after, you know, there's, it's inevitable, um, you know, when you're going to get drafted and, um, you know, there's, there's no real age limit to do it. So I think, you know, and we saw that with Meg Hutchins as well. I mean, you know, she's 36 now. She played AFLW just a year ago. So, um, you know, there's no limit on, on age in the AFLW draft. So there's definitely, I think Paige's story is one that tells other ones, other girls to not give up hope about not getting drafted as an 18 year old. Eleanor Brown from the uh, St Kilda women's uh, side. That's not to be confused, obviously, with the St Kilda Sharks and the VFLW competition. Uh, she was picked up at uh, pick number 10 by the Western Bulldogs, just adding some more height and some more speed to an already dangerous premiership side. Yeah, Eleanor Brown was um it was a good surprise for us. I mean, I mean, I felt you know probably Michaela Can could have pushed up into that number nine, um, number ten, sorry, number ten pick um at the Western Bulldogs. But um, Eleanor Brown, I think she's a fantastic player. She's another um great inside midfielder, and she can um play a role on the outside as well. She's got a good, she's got good height as well. I think she's she's pretty tall for a midfielder too. So um, she's one that can make an impact in the middle of the ground and she just had a, an ability to rack up the ball oh crazy amount of times at the Sandringham Dragons I mean I remember seeing her play and I just every time I looked up she had the ball in her hand I mean she just had an ability to get it and go and I think also with her she has great hands you know that's not only with handballing out of the contest it's also marking the ball you know she was able to stop um, opposition in, opposition players in their tracks and um, she did that really well so I think even in the AFL Women's Under-18 Championship, she did make a name for herself at half-back as well. I think she got 20-plus touches on a couple of occasions occasions as well. So um, she knows how to rack up the footy, and um, it's going to be valuable for the Western Bulldogs, obviously with that loss of Emma Carney off to North. I mean, she'll be a great replacement in that midfield role with providing some support to Ali Blackburn. The GWS first pick at pick number twelve. Pardon me. Well, go back to pick number eleven rather for Collingwood. Sure, uh, do Kat, that. <laughs> always, always jump that. Katie Lynch, of course, in the Oakley Chargers did play a number of games for the Magpies in the VFLW this year. So again, Collingwood on that pick, looking like they did throughout the uh, draft, picking up some of those that had impressed them through their VFLW program this year. Yeah, Katie Lynch is a great story. I mean, she I think she only played about four games of Tack Cup Girls footy this year. I think last year she was riddled with an ankle injury as well. So she actually hasn't had much game time leading up to the AFLW draft. But when she does get that game time, she's easily one of the best on ground every time she plays. She's just 
she gets the footy and just runs with it. I mean, she's got a booming long kick and she can really create opportunities and space with that kick as well. Um, like like most of the top 10 drafts, she's another midfielder, so um, she can make an impact there and she can also um, create some opportunities off the half-back line too and um, she can roll it forward and kick some goals as well. So she's one of those really versatile players that you probably could put anyway. I mean, she's got the potential to play um, in a variety of positions just because of her height as well and her marking prowess too. So um, Lynch is a really exciting one for the Pies and I think um, it's a great pickup for them given their Oakley connection as well. They would have liked to um, get some of their Oakley girls. Not much of a change of colours for her, which is probably a handy thing. But, um, yeah, I think Lynch would be fan, um, a fantastic player at the Pies and um, I really can't wait to see what she does with the full year of footy under her because I haven't really seen – um, a consistent, you know, full season from Katie Lynch just because of year 12 and with injuries and everything like that. So once she gets a full season under her belt, watch out. She's going to be an absolutely dominating player. The GWS first pick, their pick number 12, uh, Alice Parker, was kind of foretold in the week leading up to the draft because there was a bit of publicity around it and you felt the AFL wasn't going to push her in publicity stakes if she was a New South Wales player nominating for Victoria because that wouldn't be a great look. Yeah. So if they, were, if they were talking her up, you were thinking, yep, this is this is the pick GWS are going for as their first. Yeah, I think there wasn't there wasn't even any need to talk her up. I mean, her footy does, it, her footy does the talking itself. I mean, Elise Parker could have easily... Without the obviously, um, you know, if she had, if she nominated Victoria or Geelong, she could have easily gone one, two, or three. I mean, she's one of those. She's probably the best interstate prospects um, outside of the Victoria players um, in the in the AFL in the AFL women's ranks. And um, honestly, it's a steal that they got her at pick twelve. I mean, like I said, she's one of the top. She could be one of the top three players, and she's won plenty of awards this year herself as well. Um, MVP for New South Wales ACT, MVP for Central Allies and best on ground in the Thaguna Bulldogs um, Premiership. So she's done pretty well for herself this year and um, you can see why. She's one of those players like Maddie as well that has a profound impact on the midfield and um, just gets gets a bullock of clearances. I think that's what really impressed me seeing her up in Queensland um, in the AFL Women's Championship. She just was able to clear the ball with ease out of the middle and out of stoppages as well. She's a great stoppage player and... Um, I think that's something that um, the Giants will love, a bit of support, you know, for the midfielders that they've got in their side. Um, and I think Park is definitely one that will that will really stand out in the Giants' outfit. And um, we saw how, how close they were to, um, to getting into, you know, the grand final last year. I mean, it was, took it up to the last round for GWS to do so. And having a player of Parker's calibre could really push um, their premiership credentials up the order. And, um, yeah, she's, she's a fantastic story as well. Like I was saying before, um, you know, she had to, I think today she had to, after a draft, um, after she got picked up, she had to go and do an agricultural exam for year 12. So literally the morning she got drafted, she had to go and do an exam. So she's that dedicated person that can really apply herself to anything that she does. And um, it's known by her working on a farm as she does now with her dad. So she's travelled, you know, leaps and bounds, literally, you know, by car with her parents to, to get to football games. And I think she's probably the best story you know, if not out of all the drafted um, in the top 12 for sure, um, to get picked up. And I think she's an absolute steal at pick 12. And um, I'm really excited to see what she can do at the Giants as well, considering we don't get to see enough of her here in Victoria. Let's turn our attention now to round two. Uh, I just want to talk about, first of all, the first pick for round two, pick number 13, uh, Michaela Can from uh, the Eastern Rangers and Hawthorne VFLW. You were really big on her. Are you surprised that she slipped to the second round? Um, look, I'm not, 
I'm a bit surprised. I mean, just I can explain. I'm a bit surprised because of a player that she is an amazing player, but also because um, this is actually her first year of football. And to be drafted in your first year of football, nonetheless, is fantastic. And to be drafted at 13 is even better. So I think that's probably what held selectors back, you know, considering this is just her first year. They probably want to just um, hold back a bit. But to get the first pick of the second round is still an amazing achievement for Michaela, considering it is her first year Um She's a gutsy inside midfielder. Everyone calls her the bull. Um, that's well publicised by the Collingwood Footy Club and obviously Hawthorne as well. I know Patty Hill, obviously talking to us on coverage, rates her really highly. And um, she's a really athletic player as well. She does come from an athletics background, played a bit of basketball as well. So she's had that experience in other sports. And um, she's got a really solid build on her as well. So she's one that can crack hard inside the contest, get the quick handballs out, and kicks and kick kick the ball forward to get into space. So um, she's certainly an exciting prospect. And um, with a couple of years of Collingwood, she who knows what she could be. I mean, this is like I said, her first year of football, and she's already taking our breath away. So imagine what she can do with two or three years under her belt. She'll be one of the one of the great players for the Pies. I can't believe uh, Olivia Purcell falling to pick number 14, but again, she just nominated for Geelong, so there were a bit of ducks and drakes about how Geelong pick players in their particular order, because f- for my money, in a normal draft, she's top three material. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that she went to 14 at all. I think, you know, that was definitely Geelong's player going into the draft. I mean, it was definitely, like I was, like I was saying before, to kind of build their build their spine in the top 12 and... um get those players that would have been a bit more high demand, even though they did nominate for Geelong, just to get those, just to get their confidence up, I suppose. And then obviously get back to the local talent. Um, you know, there's plenty of time. They have plenty of picks in the draft. So um, to get Purcell at 14 is possibly a steal because like you said, she probably could be one of the top three or to, to, to top five players um, in the country. You know, she did win the Geelong Falcons best and fairest. She's a premiership player, represented um, big country this year as well. So she's one who's done it all too. And, um, I think what's really what's really impressed me about her this year was her tackling. I mean, she was one of the most aggressive tacklers on the field. You know, players looked like they feared when she was, you know, um, in the vicinity. You know, she looked like she was going to tackle hard and um, and really punish them on the inside, which she did on multiple occasions. And um, she's a great clearance player too. So she's a really handy pickup for Geelong. We obviously saw what she could do on the VFLW. I think she had what fourteen um, fourteen tackles in the first quarter in one of the one of her games. So. Um, she can really break the game open with that defensive pressure in the midfield and um, combine it with Nina. I think it's it's really good to keep those two together and they'll be um, absolutely amazing for, for the Cats and they're certainly a team to watch out for. Although they're just new, you know, we saw North pick up heaps of experienced players. Purcell and Morrison are just as good as them. So um, you certainly got to look out for the Cats this season. Just jumping ahead to pick number 16, uh, that was the father-daughter pick, Abby McKay. Right value for pick number 16 because they were forced to pick her there because I believe there was another bid, which means they had to select her with their first pick in round two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of, you know, not just um, a name of having the McKay name. I mean, she's actually a really good player too, Abby McKay. I mean, she can, um, she's a really great inside, um, great inside midfielder as well as Eleanor Brown. I mean, she can, she can play that role fantastically. She's a great clearance player too. And she can get up and kick some goals as well, which I've, um, which we saw a couple of times in the AFL Women's Championships too. So um, she's a smart footballer and um, I think she was always going to go to Carlton, but obviously whoever bid it matched that, um, whoever bid it for her was obviously thinking, you know, let's try and push Carlton out here and see what they do. And obviously they, they went with her and um, rightfully so. I mean, she's, she's a history-making player. 
um, not only for having the name, okay, but um, just for her skills on the football field as well. I think she'll, um, she'll definitely generate a lot of media attention for her first game, that's for sure. But um, I'm sure she'll succeed on the field. And, um, yeah, she's definitely um, a great pickup for the Blues. And just um, to have that kind of story behind um, one of the girls in their side is, um, is fantastic to see. Uh, Sabrina Duffy, the 18-year-old uh, under-18s WA captain, uh, works as a game development officer, midfielder, defender. Um, I think many thought she was actually going to be the first pick for Fremantle, but they elected in their order to pick her as their second pick. Yeah, I was certainly one of the um, the people that thought she was going to be um, Western Australia's or Freo's in, in this case, um, their first pick. But, um, you know, for Duffy... Duffy was always going to get picked up by there. I mean, she was the WA um, under-18 captain this year, the MVP for their side as well. So, um, you know, I really rated it highly. I mean, it was the first time I saw her on the Gold Coast and I thought she was outstanding. I mean, I was obviously expecting Mackenzie Derrick from WA to probably blow me away, but Duffy was equally as good. I mean, playing, like you said, that defence midfield role, similar to a Jordan Allen type, um, she was able to mark the footy. She was constantly kicking it out of full back, showing – you know, her running power up and down the field, you know, willing to get back and help out her teammates. And um, she's a really selfless player and I love her story as well. I mean, she's I think she's been in foster care all her life. She doesn't know who her parents are. So, you know, to come from a background like that and to succeed in, in a sport that, you know, has up until now has really been a minor sport for, for women to really exceed in it and continue to power on and now get get picked up by the Freeman or Dockers and being able to play on the national stage is... Um, is a massive achievement for her, and she's one that's really deserving of it. I know she's a she's an incredible um, she's got an incredible work ethic, and it's shown by how many times she's been in the All Australian team as well. I think she's been in there about um, four or five times. I'm pretty sure it's five. So um, everyone knows what she can do on the field, and I can't wait to see you know um, the wider public you know give their give their chance to judge on how she plays because I'm sure they'll be blown away by her. Uh, jumping ahead to pick 21, the Carlton Football Club takes Jade Van Dyke. She, of course, was the VFL Women's Debbie Lee medalist, the uh, rising star winner, if you'd uh, call it by that title. Um, value for Carlton, they're slipping to late in the second round. Yeah, another absolute steal in the draft as well. Pick 21, I mean, like I think there was an article earlier on in the year about Hawthorne, about Hawthorne rating her as probably a pick number one, and that's... That's not far off the mark. I mean, Van Dyke had a fantastic year in the VFLW and she could have um, easily pushed for the VFLW best and fairest as well. So, um, you know, she had a great she had a great year, obviously, with Hawthorne. Um, she won their best and fairest and obviously the VFLW rising star, as you mentioned as well. So she's got a fair amount of accolades um, under her belt and I think she'll be great for Carlton. Obviously, with the loss of Danielle Hardiman and Kate Gillespie-Jones in defence, um, it's a huge loss for him and I think – um, her going back there and being able to show her experience and um, her composure as well uh, will be a really added bonus for them. She's a great replacement for that powerful duo. So um, it's an absolute seal that Carlton got her and um, she'll be a great, you know, she'll be a really inspiring player to um, really push her side back up to, you know, a, a higher position on the ladder because, as we know, Carlton um, finished on the bottom last year. So to grab Van Dyke, you know, a more experienced um you know, playing against the bigger bodies in the VFLW on, you know, basically, um, you know, more games than the tucked up girls, you know, having more games this year. Um, it's definitely a fantastic pickup for the Blues and, um, you know, it's a really well thought out strategy by them for sure. A curious pick by the Western Bulldogs, or their second pick, pick 23 overall. 
They went for the Irish woman in uh, Ashling McCarthy, who took part last month in the Crosscoders program. Um, two Crosscoders signed already, one to GWS, one to the Adelaide Crows, both on rookie contact contracts. They take her to the primary list. Yeah, I mean, she must be a fantastic player. I mean, you know, to pick her on the primary list is fantastic. And I know the Bulldogs are, are very supportive of the Crosscoders program, and so they should be. I mean, it's a fantastic program for a lot of, you know, players from sports around the world um, to kind of try their hand at AFL football. And um, they've all done really well in that. And there's there's plenty of Crosscoders that could have gone um, in the primary list as well. I mean, um, you know, for McCarthy to get on a primary list, I picked 23 as well as a pretty high pick too. So they obviously rated her really highly and they probably thinking she could be the next um, sensation like Cora Staunton has been for the Giants. So um, they probably need that that bounce of excitement in their side, the Bulldogs, um, just considering um, the loss of some of their players in the offseason. So to get that exciting player um, with a great story in their side will, always, um, will help them um, defend their premiership title. Daisy Bateman, pick number 25, last pick of round two, has gone to North Melbourne. She was an Oakley Chargers player, played for Collingwood in the VFLW, and I guess that creates a new joke. What position does a Collingwood AFLW forward play at? North Melbourne. Yes, I suppose so, right? I mean, it was it's crazy for me. I mean, that Collingwood really needed a forward. I mean, obviously, they've got Alexander and Fowler down the order, which is which is great for them, but... Um, Bateman's still a true forward. I mean, there's not much out there. She's a rare breed of player. I mean, she's one that really does just play inside 50. Obviously, she moves up the field if she has to, but she's one of those players that plays inside 50 and she gets goals pretty much every game she plays in. So she knows how to find, she knows how to kick goals and she knows how to position herself well against the bigger bodies too. And considering how well she did for the Collingwood VFLW side this year, um, I thought she was a sure thing to go there, but for North, I mean, it's a fantastic pickup for them. You know, to combine with Mo Hope in their forward line will be a fantastic um, learning experience for Bateman and probably for Hope as well to see what Bateman does um, in terms of positioning herself against the bigger bodies and just being able to sneak behind the back and get some get some much-needed goals. So I think those two in the North forward line will be um, a really great thing to see. And, um, you know, it's certainly it's, – it's strange to see that she went to North, but – I think wherever she, wherever Bateman is, she'll do well. She's always got a big smile on her face. She's always happy to play. So, um, yeah, I hope she does really well at the Kangaroos. Let's jump ahead to round three. Uh, a couple of players making some moves interstate. Uh, first of all, we're going to start with the Western Bulldogs. Uh, uh, pick number 26, uh, the Peel Thunderbirds forward who dominated in the WAWFL, 19-year-old Kate Bartlett, is off to the Doggies. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic pickup for them. I mean, it's it's strange. She must have nominated um, for Victoria. Um, Kate Barlett obviously gone to the doggies, so um, that's pretty smart by her, obviously knowing um, it's pretty hard to get um, into a Western Australian side or perhaps she wanted to just do um, further studies in Melbourne. But nonetheless, I mean, Bartlett, like you said, she's a dominant force, she dominated in the WAWFL, and um, she dominated also in the AFL Women's Championships too. She also got, she got a couple of goals on the board there. She knows how to find the footy, and... Similar to Bateman, she's one that can just get the goals when she needs to, um, really get really gets the pressure off her side, you know. Um, and she'll be a great um, pick-up for the Bulldogs as well. So, um, you know, it's fantastic to see even a 19-year-old, like I was saying before, the same story about Parker, as, um, Paige, about Paige as well for Brisbane. Um, you know, it's good to see some older girls actually get a chance to live out their dreams. You know, Bartlett probably thought it was all over last year, you know, no chance, but... For her to get picked up by the Bulldogs, first pick of the third round, um, 
is fantastic to see and um, it'd be great to see up in the forward line. And what makes it really, really frightening there with the doggies is if they get Huntington back, who was spotted without yeah, crutches. Yeah, that was what I was going to mention, good. right? I thought yeah. if, if Huntington comes yeah. back, you know, you've got, her and Bartlett could be fantastic. You know you, what I mean? You've probably hey. got Bartlett playing out of full forward. You'll have Huntington playing at centre-half forward. And that then Katie releases Brennan. Brennan. Because remember, you've lost Emma Carney. That releases Brennan yeah. to play midfield. All of a sudden, who who have the doggies lost? They've lost nobody in the context of the players that they've picked up. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the doggies are just, they, they really plan their draft really well. And it's credit to Paul Groves, obviously doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And, um, you know, they've really got a great spine to defend their premiership title. And they're looking like um, one of the favourites to do it at the moment. So Bartlett, Huntington, Brennan, the list goes on, you know, you still got, you know, well-established players like Conti and, you know, Tiana Erst and all those players like that that have made a name for themselves on the big stage. So, um, you know, Bulldogs are right up there. You know, we can't discount them. Obviously, North and Geelong coming in. But, you know, they're still a, a side to be reckoned with for sure. Melbourne have strengthened their forward line by bringing in a recruit from the Northern Territory. Uh, she played for the Thunder this year in the VFLW and did rather well, Jordan Hickey. Yeah, Jordan Higg is a great pickup, a great story. I mean, I, I thought um, NT girls were most likely to go to the Crows, but, you know, Hickey was um, – she, she was a forward at the, on, in the NT Thunder lineup, and um, she did really well. She was able to position herself well against the bigger bodies, and I think her run and carry was really excited from the games I saw her play in, and she's one that definitely deserves a spot on an AFLW list, and I think Melbourne's a good fit for her. I mean, she could combine well with Eden Zanker in that forward line as well, so – um, you know, I can't wait to see what she does down in um, the freezing conditions, I suppose, or not in the freezing, I suppose, in the summer, but the freezing, I suppose, um, if you compare it to Northern Territory weather. But, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what she does in Demon's Colours. And, um, you know, along with, you know, like I said, with Zanka, I think it would be a fantastic um, forward line duo that the Demons can really expose. And with Tyler Hanks in the midfield too, um, there's plenty of upside for Melbourne this year for sure, or next year. For sure. Fremantle must be kicking themselves that yet another prospect of theirs, not only with Bartley going to the Bulldogs, not only another young prospect has moved into state. Mackenzie Dowrick, who played for um, the Subiaco Lions, played in their grand final this year against East Fremantle, uh, named as an under-18 All-Australian. She's packed up and she's headed, like uh, Sabrina frederick Traub did two years ago, up to Queensland and is playing for the Lions, taking pick 33. Yeah, I mean, that that is a super steal as well for the Lions. I mean, pick 33, Mackenzie Derrick is one of the best interstate prospects. Like I said, it was between, like I said before, it was between her and Duffy that were probably the two um, number one WA players. And um, I suppose it's a bit surprising that she did go to Queensland, although I, know, I do know she has a couple of close relationships with a couple of the players up there. And um, I think she's obviously close to Craig and well, wouldn't she be? He's a great coach. And, um, you know, to see, to be alongside him, you know, Obviously not in the same team, not um, but you know be, being able to see him at the AFI Women's Championships um, was probably a big plus, and maybe he would have done a bit of uh, business there on the Gold Coast. Who knows? But um, yeah, for Mackenzie to pick Queensland and to go to Brisbane, which um, you know they played in the grand final last year, so they're definitely um, looking right up there to to do it again, especially with Dowrick in the side. I mean, like you said, she did play in a grand final this year for Subiaco. Um, unsuccessful in that attempt which is um unfortunate but you know she does have she did um obviously do some great stuff for WA to under 18 years like you said all Australian this year and last year as well off the halfback um in the halfback line so 
um, you know, she can play in the halfback, can go into the midfield. And I think for Subiaco as well, she even kicks some goals up forward. So um, a player that can make an impact all over the ground and Brisbane will be absolutely rubbing their hands together thinking we have got a super player in Mackenzie here. And um, they're probably so glad that she nominated for Queensland because, you know, it was all, all money was on WA, you know, at the start of the year, obviously being WA girl at heart. And um, now moving up, making the move up to Queensland, it'd be interesting to see how she goes alongside established midfielders in the Brisbane lineup. One last player I want to look at that was taken uh, in round three was pick number 30 by the Adelaide Crows, taken from the Sturt Football Club, Jessica Foley. She is taken at the ripe old age of 35. She'll be playing alongside her former Adelaide Lightning teammate in Erin Phillips when she joins the team. 183-centimetre ruck was in the Sandville W Team of the Year and recognised for the 2018 Coaches Trophy. That is an absolute fantastic choice for Adelaide. Obviously, with the loss of Jess Allen with work commitments this year, they did need another ruck in their lineup. And to get Jessica Foley, not only a ruck, but a ruck with experience as well, and one that's obviously familiar with Erin Phillips too, like you mentioned as well, um, coming from that background as well, coming from that um, dual sport background too, gives her a lot of, you know, gives her kind of an, an upper edge, I guess, in terms of opposition being against opposition rucks. Um but, yeah, Foley's a, a great pickup for Adelaide, and I like I keep alluding to, she's 35. I mean, there's plenty of time um, for players to get drafted. So as long as they keep, um, you know, playing, you know, learning the game and um, developing their craft, there's still plenty of opportunity for them to get drafted. And Jess Foley would definitely be a great story for the Crows and provide some much-needed support to Rhiannon Metcalf. Let's have a look quickly at the latter stages of the draft. I just want to highlight a player that I said was like a shark in the water. She's just circling around. No one's noticing her. I know exactly her. what you're going to say. <laughs> Pick number 37, Chloe Shear. Not a single person in the mainstream media has written about her. And I've tweeted today, this is the steal of the AFLW draft. I reckon you should talk about it, Pete, because you have been on her on her wagon this whole time. And um. It's certainly great to see her picked up in this draft. Like you said, she was like she was unnoticed. She wasn't talked about at all in any media in any media circles at all. And you had her you had her, your money on her to get drafted. And um, to go to Adelaide as well is obviously a fantastic, um, obviously a great destination for her to be at. You know, like we've like we said with the players that that are in the side already, the well established players in the in that that, that won their inaugural AFL Women's Premiership. Um, it's a great learning experience for her to further develop her craft. And further prove, you know, although she went under the radar, she still she still should be taken seriously because um, being picked for Adelaide, you know, that's it's not an easy side to get into. So, um, you know, obviously being the South Australian, obviously nominating for it, of course, but still not an easy side to get into. So for her to do it, um, it's really fantastic and good on you for putting your money on her. <laughs> and just to recap for those that don't know her story, um, obviously she went under the radar because she did her ACL in the middle of 2017, so she couldn't nominate for that particular draft. And the year before, at just the ripe old age of 16. Now, this happened in the same year in what was the South Australian Women's Football League. She had won the under-18s best and fairest, won the under-18s goal-kicking, came third in the senior women's goal kicking and won the senior women's best and fairest. That, again, all in the same year. That's certainly a lot of accolades. And, you know, it's just a shame what ACL injuries can do. I mean, like I said before with Katie Lynch, I mean, she was out all last year with an ankle injury. So injuries can um, put a dent in in players' futures, obviously, in in careers. I know um, 
Georgia Broad's another one from New South Wales that um, that did her ACL this year. I mean, she's a fantastic player as well. So injuries can definitely um, put a put a spanner in the wrecks, I suppose. But um, spanner in the works, I suppose. But um, you know, for Chloe to come back and um, you know still believe in herself to to nominate for this year's draft, and luckily she did because Adelaide's got, like you said, an absolute steal for her in pick thirty seven. Uh, pick 38, uh, Emerson Woods from Hawthorne uh, ended up at the Pies. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, so Emerson, obviously, I think she ended up at Carlton, actually. But, yeah. um, look, it's a, it's a bit of a – it's a steal at that pick as well for her to go um, at pick 38. I mean, she was one that was one of the players to watch, I think, throughout the whole, the whole AFL Women's Championships as well. You know, she was – she's got great athleticism and she tested really well at the AFLW draft combine. Um she was definitely talked up to go a bit higher, but um, still to go at pick 38 is still an amazing achievement for her. And um, she'll be a great pickup for the Blues. She's got, like I said, great athleticism. She just runs all day, an incredibly hard worker as well. We heard that firsthand from Patty Hill um, on our coverage in, throughout the VFLW. And um, she'll be a great, you know, she'll be great alongside the likes of Abby McKay in the midfield as well. So um, it'd be great to see what she does along with those bigger bodies. You know, she's obviously a really skinny player. But, um, yeah, we see, it'll be great to see how she goes against them. And maybe she could um, roll up into the forward line like she did for the Hawks in the VFLW season. So be interested to see where they do play her, but um, no doubt she'll be a great pickup and a great player for them. And you're 100% right that she's going to Carlton. It's just the wrong icon showing on the AFL website. <laughs> That's all right. I've got to know my players. I'm a Carlton supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue our looks as uh, we go through some of the key players that picked up. Uh, sticking with Carlton just for a moment, they managed to poach the Collingwood. This Is this the second time they've poached? Well, they haven't poached a Collingwood captain. They've coached a Collingwood vice captain, I think, in the past, or at least the best and fairest when Nicholas Stevens. They've now poached the Collingwood VFLW captain. Jessica Edwards is off to the Blues. Yeah, it's certainly a surprise that she did go to the Blues. I mean, for sure it looked like it was going to be Collingwood. Obviously, she's rated really highly internally within the Collingwood VFLW side. Obviously, Penny Coolerie um, rated her highly to make her captain of the side, which was um, great to see. And she took that role with um, she took that role with both hands and obviously led Collingwood to a really great season, obviously minor premiers in the VFLW. So um, another great midfielder for the Blues, um, one that adds a bit more experience and a bit more height and a bigger body. So I think she'll combine well with the younger ones that are in the midfield already. And I think her and obviously Sarah Hosking will probably do well together and work in tandem to get the footy for the Blues. So it's interesting, you know, that old Collingwood-Carlton rivalry that she actually got picked up by the rivals in Carlton. But, you know, no doubt, I'm sure the Pies are happy for her to get onto an AFLW list because she's certainly one that deserves it. An incredibly hardworking player, and you can certainly see that on the field. You know, she was a great on-field leader for the Pies in the VFLW season. And, um no doubt she'll take on that leadership role in the Blues. Now, as we said, because we've got a compromised draft, and particularly for the interstate clubs, they can essentially pick players whatever order they want. Lauren Bella, pick number five. Let's be honest, the best under-18 ruck going around that was available in any other draft, she's a first-round pick. But again, because they can pick them in any order that they want, Craig Stasevich elected to pick her as pick 45 overall. Yeah, I mean, I thought she was going to go at pick nine for sure. I mean, she's she's I think easily the best under eighteen talent from Queensland, and she has been for a while now. I mean, she's she's a very tall ruck. I mean, I think she's about she's over one eighty centimeters for sure, one eighty five or something like that. So she's very tall, and she always um, manages to keep her midfielders prime use of the football. And um, 
obviously a good replacement as well for Talia Randall, who obviously um, moved off from the Lions um, in the off-season. So um, for, her, for them to get her a pick 45 is one of the, probably one of the biggest steals of the AFLW draft because of um, her calibre and her ability to play really well in big scenarios and um, all Australian as well this year too. And I think she was last year as well. So um, everyone's seen how good Lauren Bella is and um, for her to go pick 45, you know, it, w- it definitely won't impact her. She'll go about it for you the way she normally does. Um, it's just a steal on paper to see that she went that low, but no doubt she's, she's a Queensland girl at heart. You know, she played, obviously for Bond University this year in the Queensland Women's um, AF, um, Australian Football League. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit for her really. And, um, you know, she'll, she'll definitely play well at Brisbane alongside, you know, the likes of Frederick Traub as well, who did play um, a rock role, a backup rock role last year as well. So um, she perhaps could roll up into the forward line as well. So, you know, there's, there's potentials everywhere for a lot of these players and especially for Bella as well, just with their height and um, her experience coming through the system too. A woman from the Northern Territory who played with the Essendon VFLW side during the winter is Danielle Ponta. Um, she got picked up by the Crows at pick 48. Yeah, I mean, that's – for the Crows to get her is obviously fantastic. I mean, it was it was, um, it was was widely tipped that Ponta would um, get picked up in this draft and um, she's obviously got a lot of family history as well. She's, she's Aboriginal, so she's obviously um, – you know, I think she's related to um, Michael Long as well in um, somehow like that. So – you know, she's got a lot of family history behind her, but her footy herself, her footy on the field does the talking. I mean, for Essendon, she was probably one of those players that really kept kept their hopes up, you know, when it was a bit hard to do so. She kept a lot of goals um, for the VFLW side, and she did succeed, obviously, for the Central Allies, too, in the AFL Women's Under-18 Championship. So um, she's got the capacity to, to go up forward, kick some goals, and she really positions herself well um, against some other players as well. So... Um, for her to land at the Crows, she's probably similar. She could be a great uh, replacement for Ruth Wallace as well. We know Wallace has stepped down from her role at the Crows in the off season too. So that same kind of run and carry, that speedy role, yet they can um, kick some good goals from set shots as well. So two very similar players, but obviously Pont has got the Crows jumper now and it's her time to shine and no doubt she'll take it with both hands and um, she'll be one of those players that's really invaluable for the Crows next year. In round five, a name that caught my eye is Jordan Membry, a Queenslander, uh, obviously with Wilston Grange, uh, does, of course, have AFLW experience. She's moved down to uh, Victoria and uh, she's been drafted by the Pies. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting pick from Collingwood um, to pick up Membry, but a great pick up for them. I mean, obviously having that um, player from from interstate gives them a bit of um, opportunity to play around with her to see what position... um, she might fall into and obviously having the AFLW experience like you mentioned um, is really valuable for the club just to have that experience behind them because as we know Collingwood lost a heap of experience in the off season and to get some of it back in this draft is obviously a massive advantage for them and to combine it with that young talent I don't think um, it's actually it's all doom it's it's a doomsday scenario for the Pies this year you know um, drafting players with experience and young talent um, combining the two is really a recipe for success I mean the old cliche goes but um, it's certainly one that does apply to the pies, and picking up memory is, is a step forward in their in their research. It's back to the top, back to um, you know the top of the ladder. We haven't had some twins around in a while in uh, the Australian Football League since I think of the Phoebe brothers that played at Melbourne um, uh, mm-hmm. many years ago. We've now got the Haynes twins at the Ruse, taken as pick fifty five and fifty eight, both of them out of Bernie Tasmania. 
Yeah, for sure. Chloe Haynes and Libby Haynes. I mean, they were they're, they're probably steals as well, going in the late fifties as going in the fifth round of the draft. So, um, you know, it was always um, obvious they were going to go to North Melbourne. They were the, probably the two best Tasmania prospects. I know they're twins, but it's actually really hard to split them on the field as well. I mean, Chloe did go first in the draft, but it could be it could have been Libby either way. I mean, um, both of them are great great players. You know, both of them can they play a similar role in the field and have the ability to to get the ball and kick it really long down the field. So um, they're both really smart footballers as well, which is great to see. And I think they'll be, they'll do really well for North Melbourne. So, um, you know, they combine, you know, with the other set of twins and the Hosking sisters at the Blues. So um, it's going to be a commentator's nightmare, probably commentating a North Melbourne versus Carlton game. But, um, um, you know, it's going to be great to see a couple of, a couple of sets of twins on the AFLW stage um, shining their stuff. And I certainly can't wait to see how they go about it at North Melbourne. Uh, for the Brisbane Lions at pick 56, Tory Groves Little again bumped back in the order because Brisbane can pick players in any order that they want, having exclusive access to the pool. The question was asked, obviously, how are they going to replace a likes of a Caitlin Ashmore who was moving back to Melbourne? This may be the answer, a speedy wing, someone who can play halfback. And she was joint best and fairest in the QWAFL this year. Yeah, I mean, Tori Glow was a little I – ra- I rate her really highly, to be honest. I did see her up in the Gold Coast playing for Queensland. She was always – she was in um, a rainbow helmet, so you really couldn't miss her. Um, but, yeah, like you said, she has the attributes of a great AFLW player, a speedy winger, like you said. Um, she can win the ball on the outside and create some really great run and carry um, into space, and she has a great kick on her as well. So she's got um, some great attributes great attributes of her game, and um, – to go down to pick 54 is um is probably another another steal in the draft for the, for um the Lions, but um no doubt Groves Little will be an integral part of their side. Obviously, um being coached by Craig Starchevich, he knows what she can do, and um um working together with her again in 2019 will be a massive reward for effort for Tori. I mean, she's worked really hard to get to where she is, and um play for Corporu, obviously um locally as well has given her a lot of um experience to work off there. So. Um, plenty of upside for Tori Grows Little in the Lions. Looking ahead just to some other names quickly, uh, I jumped to round six. Madeline Kerrick, who had a great final series for Geelong, particularly across the semi-final and the preliminary finals. We know she was delisted from Carlton. She has been picked up by the Cats at pick 62. That is a crazy pick. I mean, that is a, it's a really late pick for someone of Kerrick's, um, Kerrick's player, Kerrick's, um, you know, someone of Kerrick's character to go that late in the draft considering the stellar season she had for Geelong VFLW and she wasn't even there for the whole season and she still dominated. So, um, you know, it was it was inevitable that she was going to get picked up again and I'm glad that she has landed at Geelong because that's where she has um, really refound that success um, that she did have at the Blues. I mean, it obviously would have been a big setback to, to hear her name get delisted um, from the Carlton side, but to get back up, to get to play fantastic footy and continue on, I'm um, getting 20 plus disposals pretty much in every game she played for the Cats this season was was really remarkable. And um, getting someone of that experience um, in the Cats lineup, obviously we know North stole a lot of the experience in the off season um, trading period, but now that they've got her in the side, it can be a massive boost for them. So you know, can't wait to see what she does. Round seven, pick 65, Renee Tompkins. She was actually delisted after two seasons with the GWS Giants, but thanks to her stellar season in the Sydney competition with the Auburn Giants, she's been given a second chance. Yeah, it's great to see Renee Tompkins get a second chance. I was, one, I was probably one of the ones that was a bit surprised that she did um, not get a second chance in the AFLW competition, but I'm glad that she has finally got it now. 
So um, it's great to see her back in the Giants' colours and having a great season for Auburn as well. And I think Auburn generally did have a great season in the AFL Sydney um, competition as well. So um, it was a big uh, – it was credit to her football as well. So like like we said like we said before, you know, players with experience don't have don't, – don't necessarily have to give up. You know, the age is just a number in these – in this AFLW draft, and it's great to see her get a second chance, along with Hanines Rika as well for the great for the Giants too. Um, obviously picked up um, from the same team, Auburn Giants as well. So um, you know, two two players that get a second chance, and um, obviously Maddie Kerrick's another one that we just chatted about too. So plenty of good stories in this AFLW draft, and it's good to see, um, rightfully so, a lot of players get a second chance. A number of nervous players as some sides started to pass. Uh, Carlton passed on a picket number 49. Melbourne passed on a picket number 52. Uh, Fremantle passed on a picket number 68. That allows them to sign free agents, which they may have signed by the time uh, this goes to air. We're recording on the day of the draft. But the final pick, the last name called out, and possibly with the quirkiest stat ever, was pick number 71 going to the GWS Giants. Ebony O'Day, she comes out of Norwood, South Australia, and the 19-year-old is a world record holder in unicycling for platform long jump. Jeez, you've de- you've certainly told me. Yeah, that's the first thing. That's the first I've heard of that stat, and that's a really quirky one, isn't it? I mean, um, I don't know how they found, I don't know how they um, um, covered her. I mean, she's obviously a great talent to be um, picked up in the AFLW draft. But um, last name to read out, you know, it's obviously it's a really nerve wracking moment for her to kind of. Um, have to have to wait that whole time to finally hear her name called out, but it's great that she has, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of great steals in this AFLW draft, that's for sure, and she's certainly one of them. So let's just do a very quick recap of how we think that the uh, particular clubs went. Um, I'll start with the uh, Geelong Football Club. We talked about Morrison, we talked about Purcell, Van de Heuvel, a great pick for them. Webster, they also picked up Taylor Clark, Karras, Focus, Commentary, and Kerrick. We spoke about last. How do you rate the Cats, particularly that their focus was they were going local? Oh, it was absolutely perfect from the Cats. I mean, they drafted the right players to their club and um, a great mix, like I said before, of experience and youth. And it will certainly hold them in good stead along with um, the, the players that they've already got in their side. You know, they obviously pre-drafted Danielle Law and um, Kate Darby as well and the players um, like that into their side too. So, um it's 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 predominantly their Geelong VFLW side, which is really good to see. I mean, it's it it, sh- it just shows um how far the Geelong region has come in terms of female football, and um they obviously want to make a statement of it on the biggest stage they can in the AFL women's competition, and um no doubt they'll they'll certainly be a team to watch. And you know, like I've been saying, all the talk is about North, and that's rightfully so. They obviously had a fantastic off season, getting poaching a lot of players from different clubs, but. Geelong have just stuck to their guts and thought, no, we don't need we don't need all that players from other clubs. We're happy with our local talent. And um, I hope they really surprise everyone in the competition because Paul Hood's a really hardworking coach and he's got a lot of hardworking players under his belt as well. So I can't wait to see what the Cats do with that with the um, the picks they selected and especially you know looking at you know a old like an experienced player of Kerrick and a young player like Morrison. I mean, how great is that going to be mm. for the competition to see those two um, combine for? No doubt, what will no doubt be some great football. I'll stick with my comments of last week, thinking that they'll finish middle of the table. But I think from what they've selected, they've come across with a really good foundation. 
and something that they can uh, maybe bag a few wins this season and something that they can build on as they look forward to 2020 and 2021. The Carlton Football Club, of course, was a side that needed to do quite a bit of repair. They finished last year, injury depleted, had a couple of players taken by expansion signings. Uh, they picked up the like of Presparkus, as we've talked about, uh, McKay, Van Dyke, Wilson, Woods, Watt and Edwards. How do you rate them? Yeah, that was a really good draft for Carlton. I mean, obviously having Daniel Harford there, he did he did a lot of you know a lot, a lot of research into these girls as well, considering he just got to the club. But it's great to see you know they picked up some some fantastic players. I mean, getting uh, Presparkers at pick three was was definitely the right decision by them. And um, Presparkers himself is a player that can that can be a game changer. I mean, I think without if she wasn't in the Cannons this season, they would have um, probably been a winless side. So um, you know, she definitely made a difference this season for them and to pick up Jade Van Dyke, like we said, at pick 21, I mean, that's an absolute steal. Um, like we said, she was touted to go to, as pick number one by her, by her own club, but still, um, still um, being touted as pick number one is, um, is a great achievement. And um, for her to reach, to go to the blues and to replace um, the likes of Hardyman and Gillespie Jones um, and work with Gabriella Pound as well as being a great um, defender down there for the blues will definitely be um a key reason why they probably will um, rise up the ladder. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm a supporter, but I genuinely believe um, by which players they've picked, you know, McKay as well is a great pickup at 16. Now I'm obviously having to take her because a lot of clubs bitter for her. And um, one that we shouldn't discount as well is Charlotte Wilson from the Eastern Raiders too, um, the co-captain this year along with Emerson Woods. And it's good to see that those two get to play together on the big stage. They have spent a lot of their junior careers together. So um, having those two in the same side as well will – will really be able to, you know, will give each other, they'll be able to bounce off each other and give each other the confidence they need to, to really be successful in um, a Blues outfit that certainly would love to experience some success in 2019. And not to downplay the role of Daniel Harford, but I guess one way that shows the wise picks that Carlton have made uh, this particular draft is you see a photo sitting next to each other, wearing the Carlton tops, making the selections to women who have a very long storied history in women's football in Victoria and one also in WA. Shannon McFerrin, a star player herself, and now moved into the coaching ranks for Carlton. And sitting next to her, Nicole Graves, who of course was a footballer and administrator in Victoria, became a coach and administrator in WA and of course now back heading up uh, women's football at Carlton. Yeah, I think it shows um, you know, what that Carlton have actually done well behind the scenes as well. And I think that's something that, you know, both Carlton and obviously Freya as well, getting Lavelle and Webb as assistants there. Um, I really show that, you know, it's not just about the players on the field, it's it's about the people behind the scenes and um, getting McFerrin and Graves into the Blues um, behind the scenes role and obviously in the coaching ranks um, for McFerrin um, has been really fantastic and I think it's good to have some some female presence for those girls to work off and to learn off. I mean, Daniel Harford is obviously a really highly rated coach and a lot of the Collingwood girls um, will definitely miss him in 2019. But, um, yeah, behind the scenes, Carlton have got the right structures and the right foundation set up for those those younger players to really come into the side and um, really develop and do and reach their potential in the Blues, um, in the blues colours. Perplexing uh, from the Fremantle Football Club. I'll get your thoughts on them. They picked up Stuart Duffy, Seth Stubbs, Laurie, Pugh, Sargent and Dowson. Uh, the age of the players that they picked up were 18, 19, 19, plus 24, 27, 23, 25, 28. I'm kind of surprised by that. I thought this would have been the draft that Fremantle would have swooped on as many 18 and 19-year-olds as possible 
knowing that they have to compete in their draft with West Coast coming in in the next draft in 2019. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit strange. I mean, there's some certainly some um, under 18 players that could have gone to to Freo this year. Obviously, I think of Sonia Dorizzi is one that probably could have gone. Obviously, um, a great player in the ruck could have provided some support to to Jans up um, in the Dockers ruck. So, um, you know, there's a couple of players. You know, Rakesha Carling's another one that could have um, ended up in Freo colours, but. Um, I think the WAWFL, we know that's a really it's a high standard league of, of, of football. I mean, I did watch a couple of, of stream games um, in, of that league and it was some really high standard um, footy played there. So um, they obviously trust their local talent, probably like um, the same story with Geelong. They're trusting their local talent and um, they probably just want to offer experience. Obviously, um, they do have a young lineup as it is, the Dockers. I mean, obviously a lot of young players um, haven't been able to really um, crack that next level of football at the Dockers as of yet. And they probably just wanted some experienced players just to show them the ranks and um, show them the ways, I suppose, and um, really help them um, rise up the ladder because I think the Dockers um, behind the capacity of Donnellan, um, you know, really deserve a couple of um, successful wins um, next season. And um, they probably thought experience is the way to go. So we'll see how it pays off. It could have been, um, you know, a Trent Cooper influence as well. That could have... Um, you know, certainly made it that way, but you never know. I mean, it's it's up to the clubs ultimately, but um, we'll see if their if their experiment pays off in the in the AFLW next year. Looking ahead to the Collingwood Football Club, who had to really refill their stocks after being gutted during the expansion period. We've touched on Allen. We've touched on Lynch. Can quality footballers. Uh, they've also got the likes of Butler, Shevlin, Alexander off their own list, Georgia Goulet off um, the Casey list, uh, pardon me, the Melbourne list, um, Membry, and of course Fowler, who, who rucked for them uh, in tandem with Hines during the VFLW season. Have they picked up anywhere near enough quality to fill the holes? Um, I think they've definitely gone a long way to do it. I mean, um, they've picked up some, some absolutely um, fantastic players. I think obviously. The one that stands out for me that they did miss out on was Bateman. I think Bateman would have been a great um, addition to the Collingwood lineup. But the players they've got um, are equally as good. I mean, Katie Lynch, um, obviously they're one of their top picks along with Jordan Allen. Um, really great for them to to pick up um, those two players. I mean, they're two they're two um, standout players, I suppose, in the under eighteen scene. And um, Sophie Alexander was one that really broke broke out in the VFLW competition for the moment. She stepped out. Um, in Collingwood Colours, I mean, she was she was a freak in her first game and um, continued to, to play that way. And Fowler's just a um, a really consistent player that can really um, help out in the ruck and um, obviously, like you said, play a role up forward as well. So um, plenty of upside for the Pies. I just think there's still um, there's still potential to obviously um, take a few more um, high end talent, but that'll come in the next um, couple of weeks and we'll see what happens. Um, if they're going to keep um, pushing for more players or if they're happy with what they've got, because I think they could certainly get a couple more players just because of what they did lose. And obviously Chloe Malloy just adds to that loss of players, but um, they've certainly, um, they're on the right track to, to really building up, rebuilding, I suppose, um, a really great side in the AFLW. 
for my money, they've picked up some okay footballers, but I still think they're in that dangerous wooden spoon territory. Uh, looking at the Melbourne Football Club, who, of course, uh, as we said, um, uh, we didn't think they were gutted that bad out of the expansion period. What just hurt was when they found out Daisy Pierce was pregnant. They probably weren't counting on that. Obviously, congratulations to Daisy. They were looking to find footballers that could fill the gaps. They picked up Hanks, who you were a big uh, um, rap for. Brant Catasano, who had played with Carlton. Hickey, as we talked about, coming out of the NT Thunder. They also got Shelley Heath out of the uh, Southern Saints. They've passed on a pick. So not really much action from Melbourne in this particular draft with one pick or free agency signing still to come. Yeah, I mean, it was, you're certainly right. It wasn't much um, action from them, but what the, the players that did pick up um, are absolute guns. I mean, Hanks, obviously, like I said, could have been in the, in the top three if the draft wasn't compromised. Um, Brandon Kedasano as well, the Northern Knights captain, played in the grand, the Tack Up Girls Grand Final this year. The team lost, but she still led them fantastically um, throughout the year. So um, she'll be great at Melbourne, obviously, with um, with Guerin there as well. The two, um, Guerin was always here for the former Northern Knights. They've obviously played a lot of footy alongside each other. So to be reunited um, will really help Brian Catasano's development. And um, I certainly think she'll be great at the D's. And um, you know, there's a lot of other players um, that they could certainly go for in the free agency period. But I think the players they've got, you know, some really nice youth as well. Shelley Heath's another good one that, like you mentioned, um, probably a lot of people have not talked about her at all. But um, Peter and myself did see a lot of, obviously, the Tack Cup Girls competition and representing the country. And she is just... Um, grabs the ball and runs and runs and runs and she just and it's very hard for to catch her because she's a small speed speedy player so um, it's a handy pickup for the D's and it's certainly one that's gone under the radar I think that's probably one of the really good good moves by Melbourne and um, Shelley Heath certainly deserving of a spot on the D's list. Uh, for me, I, I reckon they went okay with what they could pick Melbourne, and I, I expect them to stay roughly where they are on the ladder, if anything, dropping maybe one spot to four, depending on how other sides improve. The Adelaide Crows, um, as we said, they'd already picked up fourth and Lee through uh, the uh, trade period and Lee moving back home. Uh, they picked up uh, Nikki Gore, Jess Foley, uh, Chloe Shear, who I gave raps about. Caitlin Rosenwig as well, who as a 17-year-old won the Sanford W Leading Goal Kicker Award, and of course, Danielle Ponta out of the Essendon VFLW. For me, not many, besides she, not many superstars out of that for Adelaide, but still some quality players that will just add to a nice round talent. I think Adelaide were probably, more than anything, unlucky last year through injuries while they couldn't mount a serious back-to-back threat. Yeah, that was certainly right. I mean, obviously, the injury blow of Aaron Phillips was obviously a huge one, considering how much of an impact she made in the first season of AFLW. And, and, but, Courtney, um, and Courtney Cramery as well. Yeah, of course. I'm exactly right. And it's a good addition there that you add as well. And um, both those players obviously come back this year, um, hopefully with full fitness. Um, fingers crossed that nothing um, happens to them in, in their recovery. But Adelaide have obviously done well to to get that local talent. I mean, Nikki Gore's um, a fantastic player, like I was saying before, a fantastic midfielder with a nice booming kick as well. So she'll certainly do well for the Crows there. And Jess Foley as well is a great story, like we were saying before. Um, really um, much needed assistance for Rihanna and Metcalf. So I think that's a really um, strategic pick by the Crows and certainly one that will help them um, in that in the absence of Jess Allen this year, obviously with her other commitments that we certainly wish her well in. And um, we didn't speak about Rosenwig before, but um, I think she's absolutely a fantastic player and I'm so glad she got picked up by Adelaide. She's a, she's a lifelong Crow supporter. She looks up to the likes of Aaron Phillips. So it's great for her to get a chance on the big stage. And like you said, Winning the Sample W, um, you know, leading goal kicker award 
um, but it's, it's a great achievement. And even if you, and if as a seventeen year old, it's even better. So, um, you know, she's definitely got the, um, you know, the the world in front of her. She's a great forward, and um, she plays that true forward position. She loves to kick goals, and um, she's one that can consistently back up her efforts and do so. So, um, I was really impressed with what she was able to do for the Central Allies. Um, got a couple of games for the NT Thunder as well. So. She showed that she can match it up against the bigger bodies and she's a, um, you know, a strong player herself. So um, I certainly can't wait to see what she does in the Crows' colours and um, it's a great pick-up for them. And, you know, I think the South Australia under-18 talent um, was probably, you know, there's there's a lot of options to choose from, but and going with Rosenwig and obviously Gore as well, um, some great options for the Crows um, going forward. Parker, Grider, Dowrick, Bella, Groves Little, Tawio Wardlaw, Yortson and Ellinger were players picked up by the Brisbane Lions. Again, besides obviously Mackenzie, Dowrick, um, Craig Stasovic looking in his own backyard and he's just been bubbling away with this quality of under-18 Queensland talent over the years. That is now really coming to the fore. Yeah, it's a massive advantage that he's actually the coach of the Queensland um, AFL women's under-18 side because he's been able to see these players firsthand, handle big occasions, and obviously, you know, picking up the likes of Groves Little, Bella, um, in, and Allinger, and Yorson, all members of the of the representative side this year, and Gride obviously captain the side as well. So seeing those players step up on the big stage, you know, um, he was able to see them firsthand, and he just um, grabbed them, grabbed them all into his in his basket, and now he's just really fortunate with the players he's got. And it's only going to get better for the Lions. I mean, next year they've got um, Lily Postleway in the ranks and Bell Dawes, you know, um, obviously with Gold Coast coming in, it complicates things. But given their relationship with Craig Starchevich and, you know, the relationship he has with the girls, um, it was assuring to take them. So the, the future really is is high for for um, Queensland football. And um, Starchevich has obviously made a big start this year by picking up some great under-18 talent. And I think, He's gone on the right theory because um, Brisbane, a lot of Brisbane players do have a lot of experience. Um, they're probably the one of the most experienced sides in the AFLW. But I think that lack of that um, that injection of youth um, will help them rise to that next level and maybe claim that premiership this year that they missed out on last year. At the Western Bulldogs, they again picked Brown, McCarthy, Bartlett, Carlson, and Davies. Just the five picks but you think they've just about got it spot on with their five picks again, the Doggies, which is frightening. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know how they do it. I mean, just with five picks, they managed to get it right. And and, and, and also, should I say, at the back of the order in each round as well. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was really fascinating to see um, how they went about their picks, and they really – they mix they mix the players really. I mean, you know, the first round, you know, an under 18s player. The second round, you know, an Irish player. Third round, VFLW player. So they've certainly mixed um, their strategy. They haven't just gone for you know one certain age group or one certain type of player. They've got a variety of different players that they can add to this that they can add to their side. And it's it's definitely a good thing because you saw in the top 12, you know, a lot of the players are midfielders, but apart from like, apart from that, they've got a lot of you know people, a lot of players that can add to their spine and um and really contribute in the Bulldogs' um, side in 2019. And like I said, it's a really scary prospect because we saw how dominant they were in the 2018 season. And like we were saying before, it gives potential for players like Brennan to perhaps challenge her role in the forward line and head into the midfield and really see if she can make an impact there. And that's a hugely scary prospect um, considering, you know, they've lost their McCartney. So what? They don't really care. You know, they've, they've, they've gone on and picked... Um, some great players that can really um, fill her role. And um, I certainly can't wait to see um, how the Bulldogs go in 2019. It's going to be 
a really, really scary prospect. At the GWS Giants, they picked Parker, Perry, Whiteley, Nielsen, Tompkins, Gizu, Zarika, and O'Day. You'll notice out of that a handful of South Australians, one from uh, Norwood, uh, also one from South Adelaide and one from North Adelaide. The Chrissy Steen influence, the former South Adelaide coach, now moved up to be with her partner, Courtney Gum, up in uh, Sydney, is starting to show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like like we keep saying, the behind-the-scenes work is is undoubtedly fantastic in all clubs, and um, a lot of obviously having her um in the in the behind-the-scenes ranks um at the Giants has obviously allowed them to to snatch some really key South Australian talent in their side because obviously um the New South Wales talent um most of it is coming up next year. I mean, you have got the likes of Lillian Doyle who's eligible for next year um that could really make an impact. So a lot of the New South Wales under-18 talent. Probably next year they'll be able to shine through. So experience is definitely the right way to go for the Giants. And um, picking up that picking up um, Tompkins and Zrika again um, has been really good um, to see them get a second chance. So um, certainly good that they've, that they've trusted their local talent. Obviously combine the South Australian talent as well. And um, getting Elise Parker, the same thing I said about Maddie. She's one player that can really um, turn a game on its head and and can really dominate. I expect her to get. 20-plus touches in most of the games she plays in for the Giants as well. So, um, you know, I was, the Giants were a really exciting team last year and they, they'll, they'll certainly be last season, I should say, and they'll certainly be another exciting team in 2019 that could really um, knock on the door of that premiership. And finally, with uh, North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos, as they're officially called, as we mentioned earlier, the Tasmanian Twins, Chloe and Libby Haynes, uh, also rounding out Daisy Bateman, Courtney Munn, and another Tasmanian in Nicole Bresnahan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good that they've had gone from for some Tasmanian talent in this draft. I mean, the Haynes sisters have been talked about a lot, and um, I'm so glad that they have been picked up um, by North Melbourne. So it's really good to see them get their chance. And like like we said before, Daisy Bateman's a huge get for them in the forward line. She'll be fantastic um, combining with Mo Hope, and um, it's it's a combination of young and not so much old, but old but experienced, you know. So um, it'd be certainly great to see what those two can do together in the Kangaroos forward line. And, and Bresnahan as well, um, they've obviously they've seen her play in the local league down at Tasmania. So um, um, they've trusted, you know, what they've seen from her and um, they'll be able to show the case that that Tasmanian footy does have a spot um, in the AFL women's and, you know, that they're, they're a catalyst for what the AFL could do with their Tasmanian side. So if they can show um, what the girls can do, if they can showcase it probably, which they, which they certainly will, um, you know, it definitely gives um, gives scope for the AFL to follow with um, a Tasmanian side there. But um, I won't get too carried away with AFL stuff. That if the AFLW girls are on set of stage and um, North Melbourne, obviously, with the experienced players they've already got, you know, Stanton, Hope, Grierson, Humphreys, you know, the list goes on. You know, they've got so many different players. Obviously, Emma Carney's um, probably the marquee out of all of them, you know. Um, combining that local talent and young talent will be a really fantastic um, setup for them in their first season of AFL Women's. I'll mention four names about players being unlucky not to be drafted, including one big name out of it. And I'm not sure if you want to add more, any more to that list. American Katie Clatt missed out. Canadian Valerie Moreau missed out, playing from Melbourne Uni and Essendon VFLW respectively. The yep. joint runner-up in the Sydney Women's AFL Premier Division League Best and Fairest, Frankie Hocking from Great Britain, missed out. I don't know what the heck's going on with the Giants and her there. But the big one, and I don't know if the recruiters on VFL Grand Final W Day were either high or blind, 
But I think Chan- I know who you're going to say, but Chantella yeah, go for it. Chantella <laughs> Pereira. How on yes. God's green earth did Chantella Pereira not get picked up? Yeah, it's certainly a shock. I mean, I I, I walked out of the draft and I, I I just I was kind of thinking about who the players that missed out were, and I thought, oh my God, Pereira didn't get picked up. You know, obviously, like I said to you off air, I was outside um conducting a lot of interviews, and I thought surely she got picked up in the meantime while I was outside, but her name didn't get called out, which was which is a massive surprise. I, um, hopefully um a club will pick her up because I think what might hold them back is obviously her basketball background. That might be. Um, a factor that comes into it and, um, you know, obviously standing out in the grand final, um, she had a fantastic game. She had a really consistent season. Um, perhaps recruiters didn't see enough of it, but, you know, uh, all of us in the crowd certainly did and all of us watching on. I mean, she definitely deserves to get picked up and um, maybe um, a rookie contention is still, um, um, you know, a viable for her and and hopefully she makes her way onto an AFLW list because she certainly deserves it. She's worked extremely hard on the Hawthorne VFLW ranks and um, playing playing um, her best game on the grand final was um, was certainly a great accolade for her. And um, the players you mentioned off the top, um, Katie Clatt and Bellamy Moreau, equally unlucky. Um, Katie Clatt's obviously um, spent a lot of time actually playing Australian rules football too. So um, she's highly rated by, um, you know, players, um, American players as well that have played with her and against her. So um, it's a shame that she didn't get picked up and, um, you know, there's definitely potential for her and, and obviously Valerie as well in the future to, to get picked up too. I think Valerie being a part of that, of Essendon as well, who didn't have the most, most successful season, um, could have held her back. And I think Kendra Hall taking some of the spotlight off her, um, could have, um, held her back as well. So, um, Kendra Hall is another unlucky one, um, as well. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a bit hard. I mean, a lot of, a lot of teams probably went into this draft thinking, um, Local talent was the way to go, not even thinking about, um, you know, across, um, about, you know, players from, from overseas. But it's certainly one that they should take into account for future drafts because the overseas talent, um, is certainly kicking off. And obviously the cross coders program is a great example of that. Well, just before we let you go, Julia, and once again, we thank you very much for your detailed insight. What can people expect to see over the coming months now that the draft's come and gone on afldraftcentral.com.au? Yeah, well, certainly um, I've, I've conducted interviews with, um, I think I took an interviews of 11 of the 12, the top 12 draft picks. So um, we'll get some insight from them about how they felt about um, landing at their clubs and, um There'll be interviews about that. We'll obviously take a look at how each team went in detail and see um, what they could have improved on and um, whether they, they went the right way with their strategy. So there's plenty on that. And obviously you've got the AFL draft coming up too, and it's a bumper one this year, obviously going over two nights. So the boys will be all over that. And um, the, it's obviously a number one place to go for draft content. You know, we'll be all over social media, um, live tweeting the AFL draft. Power rankings are, um, are everywhere. So you can obviously take a look at those that are already on the site. And um, no doubt Peter's draft preview will be an absolute long one. So stay tuned for that. It will be the most comprehensive thing you've seen. So um, stay tuned for a a really hectic couple of months on AFL Draft Central. And um, we've certainly enjoyed um, having people read some of our articles lately. Well, Julia, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Your coverage has been second to none. And we certainly look forward to more of your insights come 2019. 
Yeah, so looking forward to it. I can't wait. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. And um, congratulations to all the girls that got drafted. And that wraps up our special edition of Women's Australian Rules Football here on RSN Carnival. This program is every Wednesday evening at 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. And then it's available the following day as a podcast via SoundCloud, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash WARF radio and on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash WARF radio. I'm Peter Holden and until next time, bye for now.